Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. Woo! Slayer Fest 98! I am your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and... And I'm your co-host, Matthew Rodriguez. And today, joining us is... Nicole Gatow. Hi, guys. Hi. 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 Nicole and I met at Trivia Night, because mm. as all of our listeners know, we hosted <laughs> a Buffy Trivia Night. We talked about it a lot. It was so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> What's the question the that you're most less, mad about? Uh, I am so mad about you guys asking what Buffy's street address was. But I... So like, unfair. Like, I know that off the top of my head. I literally had to text you what your street address was, and I was here like <laughs> three weeks ago. <laughs> so, it's not that you feel like it's a hard question, but that you're bad with addresses. That might be a way of saying it, but I definitely feel like <laughs> that's you might a feel very specific detail. I forgive you. There were ones that were super specific that, like, looking back on it, I was like, oh, those were really hard. But people got them. Yeah. There was that one girl who, like, almost got third place by herself. Yeah. yeah even though yeah. that was breaking the rules. I know, but... I was breaking the rules. <laughs> <laughs> teams of three I salute her. <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed. I so. salute you for breaking the rules, but follow them. I think we had the second biggest team, uh, and we were second to last place. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, I would... Listen, I... Yeah. My friend Alyssa and I won the Gay Geeks does like a sing-along and they do trivia. Oh, yes. We won just us. Every other time I've gone and I've been on a team, I come in last. But somehow, for like just me and her on it, we came in first. Lots of things happen, but we will... <laughs> let's start talking about nightmares because oh there gosh. were questions about nightmares at Trivia Night. I, I forget probably what got those wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was like rude to ask too many season one questions. I think we didn't ask that many, yeah. mm-hmm. but um, I think season one questions, people are like more prone to get wrong because even people who love Buffy don't always go back and rewatch season oh, one. Yeah, I don't. But I think a big theme of our podcast so far in talking about season one has been like hashtag justice for season one because yeah. there's actually <laughs> yeah. stuff to talk about when you get down to it. When I, uh, so I made my partner re, well, watch for the first time, Buffy with me. For me, it was like my fourth watch through. <laughs> uh, but I was like, okay, look, we have to watch season one, not because it's good, but because there are references that yeah. are like core right. to who these characters are and that come up and become like silly jokes of within the show. They're acknowledging like, hey, wasn't this really dumb? Like, remember the time you ate our principal? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, right, like... A friend of mine was going through and he was like, oh, I skipped these episodes. And I was like, you really should watch them all. And he was like, you're just saying that because you love the show. I'm like, no, but like, no. there is important setup for things later. Well, it's kind of episodes. like if you're watching. So I think of um, the the show as like a big chess game or whatever. And yeah. like Joss is putting so many pieces into play mm. that like you might think the beginning of a chess game where they're just like moving the pawns is stupid. And you're really like looking at the end where you're going to see who's going to win. But, like, every move of every pawn is important. Yeah. And we, I mean, every, I think almost every episode, we've hit on some kind of big character, something happened. Even mm-hmm. on episodes that Ian and I might dislike, like yeah. the pack, yeah. they're still important. Aww. And I just <laughs> referenced it. It's so good. That, see, so there's, and there's even, like, you know, opinions and controversies about, like, early episodes, too, about what's good or... I mean, I think we really... Did you like Teacher's Pet or not like Teacher's no, Pet? No, I don't like Teacher's Pet. I, I don't like Teacher's Pet either, <laughs> but there's also a lot in there that's useful for later on. So. Yeah. Or, or just a plot point, like, Xander has really bad luck and yeah. has historically always had bad luck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and just, like, every relationship thing will fail for everyone. Like, yeah. Um, 
which we've talked about in I Robot You Jane. Is it oh it's the end of that episode where they're like oh I He love references it. the bug and she yeah. references Malik and they and they reference Angel as like mm. the beginnings of like every relationship. <laughs> the end will of fail. Like, yeah. Well that episode ends with them saying like You can draw a straight line from that to Anya <laughs> getting <laughs> <Yeah>. slashed. <laughs> <laughs> My baby. Yeah. Um Yeah, so I actually I do like nightmares. I really like nightmares. Yeah, as wow. like a standalone. I am really just on the opposite side of things, you guys. <laughs> so wait, let's give night. So let's before we're talking about it, let's yeah. just do, give nightmares a grade A to F. Mm, solid B minus. Okay. Okay. I think that's I would give I'd like a, a B. B. Yeah. yeah, I like it at B. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're not, not that far, far apart. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, we, there's not a lot of time in life to go back and rewatch B minuses. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> well, so I feel like Nicole, you might agree with me. Nicole and I both like, we've been friends for a while and we both are big Buffy crazy people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of feel like with Buffy, even when I don't like an episode, like you just said, oh, I don't like it, but I give it a B minus. Like, that's kind of how I feel. I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't really like that episode, but I still think it's like my favorite show. And that's like, I still probably like it more than other things. Yeah. Like, yeah, right? that's fair. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, I would choose to watch Nightmares over, like, probably, like, starting a new show that I'd never yeah. watched before. <laughs> it's like, do I watch Nightmares or, like, this brand new show that I'm not sure I'm going to like? Like, yeah. I'd be like, okay, yeah. I'll watch Nightmares. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, what don't you like about it? Uh, I mean, so this is the problem with a lot of the early season episodes is that they're, it's kind of slow. Like... It is slow. Yeah. But I think that there's first. Um, I actually think Nightmares is super dark for a Buffy season one episode. Okay, yeah, like can talk we about talk this. about a coach beating up yes. and putting a little boy in the hospital? Yeah. because he didn't do well on a game. Okay, like that's dark. And also, the first several times I watched it, I did not think that that was the kind of darkness that they were hinting at. I thought that they were setting up sort of like an improper relationship oh, yeah. with the boy. I, I actually remember. So I, I thought afraid of him in a way that was like, yeah. Oh, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, but like, like you, uh, yeah. I, I, I also saw that there's the potential as I rewatched it for it to be like Law and Order SVU territory. Yeah, uh-huh. but like, oh, and then it, just it was did. almost there, but still, like. I think this adult was, man beat up this, like, 12-year-old boy. Yeah. I think it was the fact that the coach had that, like, real creeper name. He's like, my lucky number 19. Yeah. Right? Or, like, lucky yeah, little 19. Yeah, that's super Mariska Hargitay territory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, but then... And also, I thought that the monster, which we talked about... In, in the first season, they really don't give demons names the yeah. way they do yeah. in later seasons. Like, they're like, this is the the Gnarl yeah. or the Babadook. Like, they're just like, oh, this is a random demon that has manifested. Yeah. Um, so they don't really explain what this fantasy nightmare demon is. I guess it's like how the little kid sees the coach in his nightmare. Yeah. yeah. But like... It's really interesting that this is the first time that Buffy's like, I can't fight this thing. Like, yeah. she's really like, it's too strong for me. It's too big. Blah, blah, blah. And I just, I think that's also really interesting. Because, I mean, Buffy's not a great fighter in season one. Yeah. Right. Like, maybe season seven Buffy could have fought this thing since she fought an Uber van. But, like, she really <laughs> can't fight it. <laughs> um, and this episode's also the first appearance of her dad. Who, like, has random appearances throughout the show. That is so devastating. Yeah. Like, the dad scene. Oh. Well, in the beginning, when, 
you realize you're going through Buffy's worst nightmare, and it's her dad not showing up for her. <laughs> yeah, hmm. I know. So sad. Well, and and um, you also this is the first time like, that comes true because he stopped. Well. Yeah, <laughs> this is the first time Buffy meets the master. Also, yeah, yeah, because she. Wait, fe- do we all call the master Fruit Punch Mouth? <laughs> I have been thinking about Fruit Punch Mouth so much lately, <laughs> but it's also because I saw a funny meme that was like. Oh my gosh, I have to look back in my tweets and find it, but it was someone on some show called someone Sangria Mouth. <laughs> oh, it was from Happy Endings. Did you see I tweeted that? Oh no. There's an episode of Happy Endings where someone calls someone Sangria Mouth, <laughs> and so they put the master in it, and on Twitter they were like, there is only a small sub- subset of people who love Happy Endings and Buffy who will get yes. this, and I was like, that is me. <laughs> that is me content. Oh yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah, I noticed that they toned it down at the beginning of this episode because he's still trapped in his like underground yeah. mouth cave. Uh, yeah, but first season effects, man. Whew. Yeah, um, my favorite is the like it's nighttime in the in the in the cemetery oh, across yeah. the street from across the school. school. Yeah. <laughs> like it just looks so weird. Yeah. There's so many times. Well, later, like in Restless, right? Um, well, okay, uh, in the in the director's commentary which i bring up a lot because mm. i watched the director's commentary on all I the dvds i never get into watching yeah. director's commentary um in the director's commentary for restless he talks about how often they made use of just like sets being near each other and in, that, in oh, Restless, yeah. that's why they move from one place to yeah. another and it's random it's because the sets are close together because oh. it's actually that's how it was right yeah. so i wonder if at all if like that was part of that where they were just like oh the cemetery is next to sunnydale it's not it's not no it's not Okay. I forgot that you've been there. Sorry. Because do you want to bring up Kate Blanchett too? <laughs> <laughs> what else do you want to? Wait, you've been there too, right? Uh, it's in Torrance, California. Yeah. Um, and also, I love all night. Like Buffy's not the only '90s thing that I love. And pretty much any teen movie. That oh my god! Was right? Yes. Yeah. Was shot at that high school. I've even started to see it again. Like old, like now. Like no, like I when I watch old movies, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. this is clearly the same mm-hmm. in Torrance where they filmed Buffy. Yeah. Because, like, she's all that. That's how Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prinze met, because they filmed at the same high school. That's why she makes a cameo. Wait, really? She makes a cameo, and she's all that. She has, like, one line. That's adorable. In the, like, cafeteria scene, he's going around to, like, serve all the, like, pretty older girls. The younger. Mm. I think he's, like, a freshman. It's, like, the younger brother. And she's one of the girls he goes up to, and she's like, no, thank you. And that's it. Oh. And it's because that's how she met Freddie Prinze, yeah. Wow. Fun fact, yes. Mm. Um, yeah, across the street from the... So... They don't show it that often, how big that campus is, mm-hmm. right, Nicole? It's, yeah. like, huge. And across the street from the school, it's, like, a weird drive-up round circle, like, land across the street from the school. Mm. Which is where they sit after she's been kicked out of school in season three. Because one of my favorite... I forget what episode it is. It might be Faith Open Trick, where, like, she has a crush on Scott, and he walks by, and she smiles, and Xander's like, Oh, I saw a little half-smile, you slut, and she punches Xander. They're, like, sitting in that little promenade area across from the school. Anyway. Very well, in your mind. <laughs> Listen, it was, like, the happiest moment of my life. Um, so Nicole and I both work with Geeks Out. And Amber, who is wonderful, that also works with Geeks Out, brought me there when I was in L.A. And it was literally, like, one of the happiest moments of my life. Um, Wait a minute. Yeah. Can we go there and do an episode from there? Yeah, You don't sure. bring me anywhere nice. <laughs> you paying for my ticket? You don't know if I got it like that. That's true. Um, I, I don't know if this is cheating to talk about this, but I so when I saw the Buffy High School in um, in you know actual Sunnydale, yeah, uh, it was more or less a drive by because it's actually kind of out of the way from where my parents live okay. in California. But the shooting location that I did get out of the car for and walk all around in Southern California was the set for. Um, 
Roswell. Uh, <laughs> and I had, uh, I made my mom take me to lunch at what was the Crashdown Cafe. So I'm just saying, you're not the only one who does embarrassing, like, See, LA touristy things. And, like, especially if you don't live there. Like, yeah. like, I was just telling, the other day I was saying how, like, I, like, Seinfeld's one of my favorite, like, early 90s, like, sitcom TV shows. You like Seinfeld? I know, right? Yeah. It, it feels, like, off-brand for me, but, like, yeah. Um, but I've never been to that diner, but I've been to, like... You know, it's on 96th Street. Like, sh- I don't know if you mean that isn't, like, why would you be there? No, I mean, like, it's easy to it's get easy, to. Yeah. So, like, my friend Adam and I decided that, like, next time we have, like, lunch or dinner, we're going to meet there. Because he's been there, and he's only he hasn't even lived here a year, and I've lived here nine years and haven't been there. Also the subject of the great 90s, 90s song, Tom's Diner. Mm. Oh, is it... That, that song yeah. is about that diner. Oh, I didn't Sometimes know Sometimes when people come to New York and they want to go to Tom's, Tom's Diner, I just lie and take them to the one in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> See, because I, so I worked at the Barnes & Noble on 82nd and Broadway for my first year here, and there was a diner on a corner that looked like that diner, but it wasn't, because like, that one's, at, like you said, 96. But there was a diner at like, I want to say like 79, that looked like that diner, and then I'd always be like, oh my god, I work right by the Seinfeld Diner, and someone was like, no you don't. Like, that's not what you're looking at. Go away. Well. (laughs) Back to Nightmare. Anyway. Yes. This podcast is known for its tangents. So. Well, as all But it's also known for Ian having to wrangle us back. Yeah. Do your work. Usually. Usually. But, um, yeah. So, she meets the master for the first time. There's that weird. So, also, we see, I do enjoy the Xander clown. Like, that clown's actually kind of, like, freaky, right? That clown is Especially um, for early Buffy. Uh, terrifying. But what I do love about the Xander moment is that... How beca- food-motivated he is. Well, it's, <laughs> well, if you notice, they, because of copyright, they cover all the names of the, of the bars. So there's, like, random pieces of tape. It's not like a Hershey's bar. It's, like, H-E-R-E-Y. <laughs> That's it. Little details. Um... But yeah, no, that clown is terrifying. And um, also, have you seen the It trailer? Oh my god. <laughs> Just say yes or no. We won't get off on no. that yes. It's very scary. I don't need it. The trailer scared me. The trailer is very scary. Um, but yeah, no, the clown thing is scary. And then we have Willow being like in Madam Butterfly, I think it is. Oh, is it Madam Butterfly? I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, it she's in a kimono. Am I? Oh, right. That's what I thought. It's Madam yeah. Butterfly. This is, I mean, I. I have two degrees. Um, in my head, it was Oedipus, but Oedipus is in the puppet show. That's what they perform at the end of the puppet show. Yeah. Granted, she's like you said, she's wearing a kimono. Why the fuck would I think it was Oedipus? But that's why Oedipus is an opera. Buffy. Yeah, you're a Buffy fan, not an opera fan. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, and I said to Ian before we started that Nightmares has two references in it to Once More with Feeling yeah. or. They reference each other twice because mm-hmm. there's the part where they're trying to figure out what... And so this is a good argument for you were saying is that you should watch every episode. Yes. Because in that episode, when they're trying to figure out what's happening, Willow says something like, it's like everyone's dreams are coming true. And Giles goes, no, that would be the musical comedy version of this. This is everyone's nightmare. I didn't even catch that. Mm-hmm. And then so... And then in Once More with Feeling, Willow sings, some kid is dreaming and we're all stuck inside his wacky Broadway nightmare. Oh. They are connected. I would have never made the connection. I, I tied uh, specifically the Willow part of Nightmares to Restless. Yeah. Yes. Which seems like that whole moment where she's walking and confused and then comes through the curtain. It just, you know, 
Can we talk about... So, this is in the director's commentary. <laughs> For Restless, which I've now brought up two times, but it's the best... Okay, if there's one episode you should watch a director's commentary, it's Restless, because Joss actually breaks down a lot of the imagery mm-hmm. yeah. of it. And in it, except for the cheese man. Except, well, he does say like in it, he's like, yeah, it's just the cheese man. So he says, "There's that part where um, Willow and Tara are talking with each other in the curtains." (laughs) <laughs> and he's like very like we know he's like it's very, that's the very literal one like they're in between the, the red walls together and the two of them has never been subtle yeah. I know and it's spread like spread beneath my willow tree I know <laughs> and I'm just like Joss do you not know how to write like about women's bodies my like mother, you're just like well they're in red curtains my mother will still embarrassingly admit that she never got that they were supposed to be together adorable she, she just thought it was like oh willow's new friend <laughs> Wait. And, like, my mother with an out gay son and, like, knows all of my gay friends. My mom's always like, oh, I never got that. Wait, like, but how much did she watch? The whole thing? My mom watched... No, she didn't get it until, like, in... I think it's the end of season four when... Yeah, when Willow oh, okay. explicitly says it. But my mom meant, never got that it was supposed I to be... I thought you meant, like, she, she was at the end of season seven. She no. was like, oh, they... It might have been season five when she realized it. Like, she was watching conversations with dead people, and this? she's like, Tara's... Uh, you know, Willow's friend Tara's coming back. It might have been, like, not till season five when she got it. But, like, yeah, she'd be like, oh, I never got that the spells were supposed to be, like... I thought they were just, like doing spells they're witches why wouldn't they do spells and i'm like well right but (laughs) um i mean also this is my mother we were when i was visiting home last time we were watching bring it on and my mom recognized faith my mom's like oh that's faith from buffy right and i was like yeah and like i haven't seen bring it on in forever but there's a scene where like her and kirsten dunce's character have a sleepover and they sleep in bed together and like there's clearly tension because kirsten dunce has a crush on is it Jesse Metcalf? Yes. Yeah. Who dated Azalea Banks recently. Go ahead. I, he's like terrible, but I think he's hot. So hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so my mom goes, oh, they're a lesbian couple and she's jealous that Kirsten Dunst likes her sister, likes her brother. And I was like, you are reading way too much and I'm bringing it on. No, but also like, like your mom is a low key, like queer teenager who's looking for <laughs> yeah. the queer storyline and everything. <laughs> It's like, yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, also Bring It On has Glory in it as well. And Wait. what? Who's Glory? She's one of the cheerleaders on their <gasps> That's their right. Oh and the chick that's Cordelia's friend in The Wish who gets put in the machine and like blood drained, who's also in Can't Hardly Wait, she's in Bring It On too. There's a lot of Buffy people there. Um, so anyway, getting back to bringing us back to Nightmares. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Buffy turns into a vampire, which is, like, a weird thing. Her face as a vampire Looks is weird, really right? bad. Yeah. I think it's kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> we are just never going to land no, on this scene. But we love each other, so it's, it's true. Yeah. Buffy keeps us together. It's true. I just feel like she she looks... It's a, a harsher look. Like, there yes. are some people who, in their vamp face, don't look as harsh, and Sarah Michelle Gellar looks very harsh in it. Um, I think the vamp face balances out her late 90s wispy blowout bangs really (laughs) well. Like, the bumpies are, like, really supporting what's happening in the front. (laughs) The bumpies add to the bangs. Yeah. uh You know what? I think that Sarah Michelle Gellar's outfit in this whole episode, the blue, it's very, it's very season one iconic. Like, the blue coat, her thighs are, her her thighs are covered, but her calves are showing. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's very, <laughs> that is, like, the most iconic. So, it's funny that you would say that you think the vampire makeup, like, doesn't look good on her, because I think that, too, but also because, 
as people who see our the art for our podcast, I photograph all of my Buffy figures for like <laughs> our promo art. And there's a Nightmares Buffy figure in the vamp face. And I actually photographed that figure, but it looked so bad on camera. Like once I photographed it, I was like, this doesn't look like Sarah Michelle Gellar. It doesn't look like a vampire. It just looks like a weird blonde girl with a squishy, bloated <laughs> face. Like the figure, once I like photographed it, just looked like nothing. So I didn't use it, but... Who do you think looks best in Vamp Face? I think Willow looks really good in Vamp Face. Mm, yeah, maybe Willow. Like, of the I mean, of main anyone. cast. Okay. Willow, Willow Spike. Spike. Yeah. Spike, actually, yeah, he looks really good. His, like, he has a big enough face for that, it, like, fits. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. yeah. Not like he looks, like, sexy with the bumps, also, but, like... Also, those cheekbones. Yeah. Not prosthetics. I know, Jesus. Part of his actual face. <laughs> mm. Um... Yeah, so then this episode, yeah. I mean, the end is kind of like, um, so who would we have fucked in this episode? So that's a thing that I oh. that we ask every episode is, but there's not that many new characters there in this episode. Really like, it's like a coach and it's like, like an abusive coach. <laughs> like, sure, yeah, I guess. But, um, well, we should ask you just in general, who is your, like, biggest Buffy crush? Um, biggest Buffy crush... <laughs> I mean, it de- it depends. Like you know, if we're doing like a fuck Mary kill, because they're like I have a okay, I like a relationship that. crush versus <laughs> okay, yeah. okay, a like so down and dirty crush. Fuck Mary kill. Um, Buffy, Willow, Cordelia, because it's season one, so we have to okay. go with who's there now. Um, so I just kill Cordelia. Kill Cordelia. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, um. Okay, if it's season one, then fuck Buffy. And marry Willow because she's not there yet. <laughs> it would be too confusing and too tender. <laughs> like, you, you, you I, <laughs> wait, that's really funny because I like made yeah, I made a reference to like oh like that person might choke you, but they'll ask you if you're okay about it and like ah. It would just be like extra awkward. Yeah, yeah. I don't need more of that. Um. So me. Yeah, with the same people. So. If, like, Nicole said, we're, like, strictly these characters in season one, I... Oh, this is gonna, like, upset me to say. <laughs> but I would fuck Cordelia, marry Buffy, and kill Willow. Oh my gosh, we Ooh. all have different answers. Oh! oh I would fuck Cordelia, kill Buffy, and <gasps> marry Willow. Huh. Oh. Why? No, why no one else had to answer Buffy? why. What do I have to answer? I volunteered. <laughs> First of all, yeah, I didn't offer this on, this information, but I will, you know, disclose. Take, I will take the stake here and disclose. Um, well, I just think Chris McCarpenter is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And I want to marry Willow. Like I think Willow is smart and funny, and we would have a great marriage. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I want to. I and Buffy's left over. <laughs> Fair. I mean, I want to marry Buffy because I feel like she would be protect like, you. She would protect. She'd be the knight in shining armor I want. She would mm. fight people for me. She's every man you want. Uh, she's every man I want. <laughs> I would be like, I would be so obnoxious if I dated Buffy because I would be like fearless and I'm already a shithead. Nicole's seen me be a total shithead and like. I would be ten times worse if I was dating a fucking vampire slayer. Like, I'd be like, oh, you're a demon? And then I'd be like, Real Housewives throwing a drink in the demon's face. 
And then I would get killed because Buffy would be like in the bathroom at that moment or something. You're a terrible date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy, am I. And also I feel like she would leave me alone. When which you, is uh, what I love about my current relationship. I love you, David. Um, <laughs> but he, as he has said to me numerous times, he knows Buffy comes first. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like also she would be like, because of her loner bullshit, she would be very like, I have to do this on my own. And I'd be like, all right, peace. I'm going to look at Facebook in my room and like watch Netflix. And like, <laughs> like they would be having Scooby meetings and they're like, you want to be part of the group? Like, do you want to? And she's like, no, I'm actually just on Twitter. And I'm just like on my phone, like, mm-hmm, that's great, guys. Oh my God, crazy. Oh my God, really? The first is going to like end the world? Oh my Let gosh, you see it. this tweet? He would be tweeting it. At the first evil. <laughs> Are you really going to hashtag destroy the world? Are you serious right now? <laughs> So I'm a nightmare, and wow. let's move on to yeah. <laughs> more nightmares. Yeah. Out of sight. I'm nightmares is an episode about Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna eat some chocolate after this. Um, so yeah, out of sight, out of mind. We'll go to that episode, starring um, Clea. Yeah. Duvall. So I think it's very important to acknowledge right up front that I specifically requested whatever <laughs> podcast episode you were doing that included Clay Duvall. Um, speaking of, like your mother, um, I am a woman who is looking for confirmation of queerness wherever I can get it. And back in 1997, I was like, who is this girl with the purposely short haircut who does not seem to fit in? And she's got a real thing against like sexist jocks. So here for it. <laughs> That's yeah. So I think that now we can ask the question: Would you? Who would you fuck in this episode? Would you fuck Clay Duvall? Yes, absolutely. Yes, there we go. No question. I mean, I had a big crush on her in the faculty. Oh. Because like she oh, was like yeah, yeah. the like hot topic looking one of well. the group. So of course I'm like, oh my god, she's so cool. Like I wanted to, I wanted to like be her, but also be sleeping with Josh Hartnett in that movie. Um, and Josh then, Hartnett? He's, I had, like, literally, I want, that movie came out, I think it was a junior Wait, high Wait, no, school. isn't, I thought Elijah Wood was in the faculty. So oh, they're both in the faculty. It was the 90s. Yeah, both I can't movie. believe there was room for both of them. <laughs> also, that movie feels like it could be an episode of Buffy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, totally. Because it's, like, so silly horror, and, but knows it is. Right. And, like, it's just, like, really absurd. So, like, I feel like that could have been an episode of Buffy. Like, right, like someone, someone on the Buffy crew wrote that script, and yeah. they're like, "It's a little too long. Let's bring it to feature length. Make it a movie. Get rid of the vampires. Had it a little bit and sell it." Um, yeah. So I always thought Clea Duvall. Like I remember, like literally doodling drawings of Clea Duvall in my notebook from the faculty because I thought she was like so cool. Uh, there's <laughs> never been a movie with Clea Duvall in it that I haven't wanted to fuck her. Uh, and speaking of uh, Torrance High School shooting location, and she's all that crossovers, she plays the doodling, like, or no, sorry, she is the, like, reject friend who gets, like, clown makeup painted oh, on her yeah, face yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is a weird thing. I get she's all that and Carrie to the rage mixed up. No. Stop. So in my brain, oh. that happens in Carrie too. Where Claire Duvall plays the artist who gets the clown makeup. <sighs> but that's, that's, that's so I, I don't know so why. random to yeah. I don't know why. Like I can understand if you're like, I get she's all that and like another two like, things I hate about you. <laughs> right. Like, right. <laughs> I don't know why those two movies are the ones that get mixed up. I have like Is she's all that is Jennifer Jason Lee, right? 
No, no, uh, Rachel Lee Rachel Cook. Lee Cook. Rich, oh. Three names. Lee is one of them. Yes, Lee You're is forgiven. One of them. <laughs> See, that's how that works. That's when you can like <laughs> mix things up. When it's Jennifer Jason Lee and Rachel Lee Cook. Yeah. Hmm. No, and I actually didn't even mean Jennifer Jason Lee. I meant who's the one? Who's the, what's the name of the girl who plays um, Josie and the Pussycats? Rachel Lee Cook. Also her. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm here with you now. Yeah. <laughs> We're all here. Yeah. So, okay, so this episode, which they do reference in season seven, which I like, mm-hmm. isn't Buffy, like, slap someone? Uh, also, when... Oh, yeah. When things start going bad at the high school and she's guidance counseling, and a bunch of students yes. start having the same, right. uh, like, hellmouth experiences, one of them goes invisible. Yeah, right. she says, like, I see you, I see you. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that. I like that there was, like, a callback to this episode. I do... So... Also, and now when I, like, think of this episode, um, my friend David made a Carly Rae Jepsen meme of this where Buffy's like, Cordelia, shut up! And just, like, stops, and it's, like, slow motion. And he had, like, then uh, Run Away With Me start playing. <laughs> so that's what I think of in this episode. Um, but also I really appreciate, like you said, like, she attacks the, like, jocks and, like, I, I mean, if I were a not quite queer kid in high school, what's the first thing? And I had like I was gifted a power, right? What's the first thing I'm doing? <laughs> Going after a misogynist jock. As I said in the last episode, I would be a nightmare anyway, and <laughs> I would be like even worse if I had a power. Mm. Also, she lives above the band room and is a flautist. Like literally everything about this episode is the gayest. A flautist? Yeah, because like when Buffy sneaks up, she sees like the footprint at one yeah. point. She's like yeah. trying to track her. And she goes into the little like hovel above the band room and it's like sheet music and a flute. The flute, yeah. And uh yeah, like all of her stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well it's so funny because with our previous guest we were just talking about how Buffy is just like <laughs> how much how much lesbianism there is in Buffy. <laughs> and this yeah. episode is just like so, it's not even undertones anymore. Yeah. It's overtones. Oh, and, um, but also on Clay Duvall, I don't love Clay Duvall, but I love her in But I'm a Cheerleader. That's like the yeah. best, that's the Clay Duvall that I love the most. Never, her and Natasha Leone. thing I haven't loved. Her and <laughs> Natasha Leone oh. are like, are like, um, Magic. relationship goals. <laughs> Um, so we've talked a lot about how Buffy is a, you know, especially in the first season, they're just, instead of monster of the week, it's kind of like metaphor of the week. Yes. And this is definitely like a heavy handed metaphor (laughs) about feeling alone in high school. And it's something that Buffy's going to keep going back to, especially like with earshot and things like Mm. that. Um, so I just think that I, I just like thinking about it. I felt like this metaphor was a little too on the nose, but it's also like. It's While Buffy's one. I do love Clay Duvall, I don't love this episode. Um, <laughs> no, I well, now that you're both looking at me, uh, <laughs> strong disagree. How would you, so give this episode a grade. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a tough grader. Um, but you gave Nightmares a B-. <laughs> <laughs> You hated it. Okay, but I do. Okay, I take it back. Um, very few things in... I think these series would get like an A plus out of me, so I would go A minus. A minus. That's a good grade. Yeah, that is a good grade. Okay. I would give it a I'd B minus. I would give it a C plus. Wow! Wow! Oh, Ian. Yeah. Wow. I'm myself right out. Jeez. Way to not support the community. 
That's honestly the most homophobic thing I've ever heard <laughs> Ian do is give this very lesbian episode of C+. Listen. Uh, why, why so, so I, I just, harsh here? I don't know. It, so, I mean, but, like, to be fair, I would give, like, Teacher's Pet, like, a C-. Wow. And the we pack a so C-. Different. I would Those give are... Teacher's Pet, like, a C-. C. I think the worst episode of the season to me is the pack, which I yes. would give like a C minus. For me, that's. I think this just confirms that I'm. If I ever attend one of your trivia nights again, I'm just going to fail horribly <laughs> because uh, I, I recognize the bias here. <laughs> <laughs> I will say there's one thing about this episode that bothers me a lot, which is right at the end. Oh, uh, yeah. They. After they've like caught her and they're bringing her invisible self like the fbi shows up yeah yeah uh and they like they show up in the i guess the end of the third act yeah it's like it's right before that last scene before credits and they're like okay well we're here to be fbi agents and then they take her away and the last thing you see is like okay students and there's apparently a school for invisible children or invisible children trained for some nefarious purpose and then they never bring it up again. And it's very clear that, like, oh, in Sunnydale, or just outside Sunnydale, they were, like, weaponizing... These, like, kids, in- yeah. Invisible kids. But remember that oh. all most of these kids are also, like, loner kids. So it's about, like... Like, Joss Whedon really should be standing up for the loner kids, and instead it's about, like, the loner kids being sold into weaponized slavery <laughs> by the U.S. government. Also, like... <laughs> Season one especially, but season two a little bit, they do a lot of, like, cliffhangers. Like, in Teacher's Pet, oh, yeah. the eggs are in the classroom. That's never addressed again. Yeah. But this feels even weirder right. than any of those. So those are at least, Such like, horror things. And then this is, like, the FBI. Like, this is, like, more X-Files-y. Right, because there's even, like, they turn to a chapter. It's, like, I don't... Assassin- assassination and infiltration yeah right okay so the last <laughs> thing is invisible hands opening up books and you say chapter blah 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 assassination and infiltration you're like oh my god what's gonna happen next and nothing just kidding nothing it's nothing's gonna happen we're all good yeah and it's i mean so je who was on a previous episode with us called it the twilight zone ending yeah where mm-hmm. it's just such a huge twist and Joss does 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 like you said does those a lot in season one with the with the eggs and like there's just other episodes and it's just like you could have just ended it yeah. and like been right. fine but right. like we really don't need the like FBI coming in yeah. anytime Buffy besides the initiative anytime Buffy tries to bring like the larger world like that it kind of like breaks down a little bit yeah yeah well I mean and the initiative isn't like excuse me isn't the best. <laughs> I know Nicole will agree so, with me on uh, that. Uh, mm, yeah. In the director's loves- commentary <laughs> for Restless, mm. actually, J- Joss. So you know, in in Restless, where the initiative is watching Xander P. Do you remember that? Oh time? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Xander goes to the bathroom after like flirting with, with Joyce. Joyce. Yeah. And he's oh, using the toilet, yeah. and like you pan over, and, and the restless is like taking notes as yeah. he pees. In the commentary, Joss says, "I actually think that was the best use of the initiative all season." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I might agree. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this episode, I do appreciate when they do stuff like this, where it's like. They kind of don't, so we've said this a lot in the podcast, they don't know what to do with Cordelia. Mm-hmm. I appreciate when they, like, kind of force Cordelia and Buffy to be, like, together. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked, I mean, so here's the thing. When they're doing episodes that are about high school as metaphor, Cordelia seems to fit m- more, 
fit more seamlessly into the narrative because Cordelia as the like popular girl who's mean is so much a part of high school school mythology. Yeah. So she actually makes more sense. She actually makes a lot less sense in the main episodes where they're just kind of like, oh, I guess we have to have her complain about wearing a knockoff dress, like someone wearing a knockoff (laughs) dress in one line because we need to pay charisma her salary (laughs) and have her earn it. Like when there's actually stuff for her to do that's about like bullying and being mean to people, it makes sense for Cordelia to come in. We didn't even talk about her nightmares when Cordelia, I thought that was like that, that hysterical scene where oh. <laughs> Cordelia gets the big poofy oh. hair and she's like, I'm not even part of the chess club. <laughs> and like they're making her join the chess club. It's great. Um, I mean, by the by the end of this season, they more solidify Cordelia. Like she helps Buffy like at the end when well, she crashes prophecy, her car yeah. into the like school to like help them get away. So like, I feel like season one very much like Cordelia's like, oh, the high school, when they do the high school metaphor, they know what to do because she's mean. Yeah. But, like, when they do, like, the Angel episode, like, they don't really, like, she doesn't fit that well. But at least, like, by season two, it makes sense that she at least, like, is friendly with them, but still kind of mean. But, like, can sometimes be part of the group. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't like Cordelia until she went to Angel. Oh, really? Yeah. I just... That's fair. I mean, I... I, We we have some differing opinions. But I do think she has, like, that's where they give her, like, a great arc. Yeah. I think she has, like, overall one of the best arcs. Oh, absolutely. In the Buffyverse. In the Buffyverse. She feels very flat. Like it, I feel like a lot of the time she's just there to be the mean person pushing. Yeah, pushing things. Well, I, I we have to have several episodes that are just about individual characters. And yeah. I think we're going to do that. We talked about having a Xander episode, but we need to have a Cordelia episode because I love talking about Cordelia too. I think that in season one, until Prophecy Girl, they don't know what to do with her, and that she has an innate goodness that Joss Whedon is interested in because he's interested in her being a mean girl who's actually innately good yeah. and is just keeping up with the Joneses in that way. And then, like, once she helps Buffy, you know, and when she was bad in the beginning of season two, she comes back and she's like, when are we going to fight monsters? (laughs) And they're like, Cordelia, are you, you want to say it a little louder? (laughs) And, like, she, so she, like, find, I think she's in search of a purpose, like, so many of us are in high school. And so when she helps Buffy, she feels like she's, like, going toward that purpose. Well, like, I feel like also in season three, they make the, like, she gets that side plot of, like, being her dad, like, went bankrupt. And, like, that's where they start to, like, and then on Angel, that carries over. And that's, like, the start of her actually having, like, a character arc. Yeah. I would say. Um, um, I would hard disagree because the beginning of her carrying, having character arc is when... She hooks up with Xander. She hooks up with Xander and has to stand up to Harmony and chooses him in front okay. of everyone. That's fair. That's fair. I can see that, yeah. 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 I forget which exact episode that is. It's not What's My Line. That's is when it? they first... She doesn't stand up to Harmony oh. till like, The Wish. Oh, right? no, it's, no, it's Bewitched, Bothered, Bewildered because he oh, puts a okay. spell on her right, and then, right. like, yeah... It's moments like this that realize that I realize, oh, I'm not the super fan I thought. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep talking by episode title. <laughs> I told um, Ian, I don't know if it was on the podcast. Have you ever been to, oh God, what is it called? Have you been to, what's that website where you can take, Sporkle? Have you ever been to oh. Sporkle.com? I never yes. heard of it. When he yeah, told me. <laughs> oh, it's like quizzes. Yeah, and but a lot of them are just like, can you name all of these? And like it was like, can you name oh. all 140 Pokemon and blah, blah blah. And one of them was like, can you name all 144 Buffy episodes? Oh my god! And there was a time in I want to say the end of high school, beginning of college, 
where I used, I was probably mostly college because I was like uh, procrastinating from doing exams and stuff. Sure. That I was able to name all 144. Wow. But that talent is no longer with me. (laughs) I've lost it. Um, So I'm going to get really real. I used to, have I said this? I might have said this on podcasts before. I don't know. I'm such a fucking nerd. I used to have, so in high school, my friend had given me Buffy stationery set. Um, and so I lots of times with my group of friends the like metaphor is oh I treat those like I treated stickers because when I was a kid I never used my stickers I was always saving them for something perfect and would end up never using them and then my parents basement flooded and all of my stickers got ruined which is like a metaphor for my life I'm like ooh let me keep all of this for something perfect and then it all gets shit on (laughs) Um, but like and because, like, oh, because I'm stupid, that's why it happened as well. Because it's like, why didn't she just use them? So, like, that's what I was doing with this Buffy stationery. Mm-hmm. And then once all the DVDs came out and I was able to, like, catch up on episodes I had missed, I made lists of every single season in that, like, I wrote, like, every episode and would write them and, like, put them in order of, like, my favorite to least favorite. Oh. Um, yeah. So, so a that's... couple of things. <laughs> we might disagree radically on uh, which are our favorite characters, episodes, motivations, pretty much anything in the Buffyverse. <laughs> but we were apparently the same child. <laughs> oh my um, god, that makes so much sense that yeah. you would also be like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, that instinct coupled with um, an antisocial behavior and Buffy is why I became a librarian because <laughs> I can just organize things until they are perfect. I never have to talk to anyone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, that, I love that. So when you were talking about that, Ian, it was because we had talked about this via text. Because what oh. I did when I was young was I had a note. So when I slept in my bed growing up, I slept on the left side and there was a nightstand. And in my nightstand, there was a notebook. And in that notebook, I kept notes that I would make as I was watching Buffy and they included grades for every episode and they included, and I don't know where the notebook is. Like I could go back and check my old grades or whatever, but they also included this mathematical table that I made. That was where I logged how many vamp, how many, how many demons everyone killed in every episode by character. That's impressive. And then I would do mathematical averages to see like, per episode, per season, like, how many demons died and, like, when the, were the, like, the most successful This is, like, Moneyball for Buffy. Yeah, so I was, I think it ended up being that season three had the most vampires killed per episode. It was either three or five, Mm -hmm. but it was, like, a huge dip in four, and then, like, six and seven weren't as big. I mean, unless you count, like, all the Uber vamps dying as, like, (laughs) but, like, but I think, like, three, I think three was the one that had, like, the highest, like, per episode vampire killed average. Hmm. I mean, you're, you two are not alone in your um, statistical Buffy memory. (laughs) I created a spreadsheet that I shared when I was showing another friend Buffy for the first time, um, when we got right into, like, seasons four and five, and I lined up uh, in the spreadsheet, it was characters and episodes and I organized all of the crossovers so that to help her understand like you know what because they're <laughs> right like when it was on yeah, WB yeah. and CNN like you had the back-to-back where it was like Buffy flashback episode yeah. right. leading directly into an angel with the corresponding flashback episode or there would be like references yeah. so right. I made a really excellent spreadsheet that like documented all of this and like you right, know I who gets this. the most flashbacks I think it's actually Spike um, oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll dig that out. After Buffy moved to UPN, the only character who actually crossed over was Willow, I yeah. think, right? Buffy stopped going to yeah. visit. Willow and... Well, Buffy's... Faith? 
and Faith. Well, and Faith. But um, Buffy's only in season one of Angel. She's yeah. only ever in two episodes of Angel, which is insane. Um, well, Angel does come back to Buffy for season seven. Well, because Sarah for the Michelle Gellar, co- to be cookie, fair, is uh, true. She was filming The Grudge 2 when, because there's an Angel episode in season five. You remember what I'm talking about, right, Nicole? Yeah, where yeah, the, so. they like see her from afar and it's just someone in a bad blonde wig. Oh. <laughs> and it's because they wanted her, but she was filming The Grudge 2 in Japan, where they actually filmed it over there. Um, and she was willing to come back for the final episode, but then they said that they didn't want to make it which I also get. They didn't want to make it too much about her coming back, and it yeah. would have been if she had come back. Yeah. Which I get. I mean, that ending is perfect. It is. I think it's a really great ending. I've never um, seen that. I mean, I see where they could have fit her I've in. I've got spreadsheets. <laughs> Honestly, send me the spreadsheets, and I think I'll just right? glean what happens <laughs> yeah. from the spreadsheets. Um, I like. She would have fit, but it also I understand why they wouldn't. Right? Because like it, that would be such a big deal to bring her back. Is Buffy? Yeah. When she comes back in season one, is that that episode where, like, he's human for, like, 24 hours or That's something? That's the first episode she's in. Okay. And then she's in a Faith episode. Okay. Which is pretty good, too. I like the Faith episodes. Of course you would. I know. <laughs> I love... I Do you not like Faith? I love Faith. Uh, She's not my favorite. Like, I, I see what they're trying to that do. That was, like, taking a bullet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just... <laughs> it's okay. I feel like, um... She doesn't, like, I don't really have a connection with her. Um, I feel like she's a bit flat. And also, uh, honestly, it might be, I just don't like Eliza Dushku. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew yeah. is upset. I'm he sorry. loves Dollhouse. I oh love my... Dollhouse. Oh my gosh! Yes! Nicole! No, and I'll tell you why. I love Dollhouse <laughs> because every episode they are asking her to be someone different. And I think her acting abilities are just at that level because I feel like digging in and like trying to have, she has like Nicolas Cage moments of like, I am acting <laughs> uh, that don't really serve like the development of faith as a character. Cause huh. she takes me out of it sometimes. Huh? So I actually, I disagree with you about faith. I think that she played that part perfectly and is like beyond reproach. With <laughs> that. I, so I actually think that Dollhouse, in a lot of ways, is a metaphor about acting. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and 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 you're right in that, like, Eliza Dushku, I used to say it was, like, a metaphor about, like, being in choir. She has the smallest range, mm. but when she's in that range, yes. no one can yeah, beat yeah. her, and I think Faith is her range. Okay. And I you're right that. in that, like, I mean, Missy from Bring It On is also yeah. that range. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Missy is just Faith without stakes. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, she in in dollhouse she has to act like other people on the surface and she's really good at at that because she at the core she's echo who doesn't have a lot of yeah humanity or personality yeah but i i love dollhouse and my favorite thing about dollhouse and this is the stupidest thing in the world my favorite thing about dollhouse is that in the first season they do like buffy does where like every character in the credits gets some shots of them and then in the second season eliza dushku became an executive producer and the whole opening credits is just pictures of her (laughs) there's literally no one else and like other people's names are on the screen but it's all shots of eliza (laughs) dushku and it's the best (laughs) i mean that that show lost me i watched all of it but like that happens. I think I've even talked about this the pop star episode where she has to convince this like no 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 if you if you if you cut I know it's hard we were just talking about Buffy season one mm-hmm. if you cut the first five episodes off of Dollhouse 
and, and of both of like just if you think of it as one long show with 24 episodes let's talk okay. about like that mm-hmm. if you cut off the first five i think it's a perfect show you need the first five because she's awakening to like who yeah. she is and stuff but the first five are just boring monster of the week episodes kind of but then after that i think that it's literally a perfect show but i think it just it, like it gets you those first five get you so settled and like yeah. kind of numb you that's why to, you like, need this them. is an action show and then there's that moment at the end of the fifth episode where it's like there are three flowers in a vase and the, and the third one is green. Right. And I forget her name, but like... She's, November. I don't uh, even yeah. remember this. She's like the neighbor who you just think is this like dopey loner girl. Oh, and it right. turns out she's another doll. Right. And yeah. without that moment, we're like, oh, this whole show just... Well, her name is Millie and then as a doll, right. she's November. Right. And then season six... Um, man on the sh- oh, season one episode six, Man on the Street is where shit goes down, and yeah. it's one of the best Joss Whedon episodes ever. Period. So I, I've come on your show to announce that, that uh, I'm going to do a bo- bo- dollhouse podcast. <laughs> can I will no. co-host a dollhouse podcast with you, okay. and we can have Ian watch just, the episodes and then come talk about. Them. I just post your co-host. <laughs> I can do both. I'll be like Joss okay. Whedon, mm. where that's there was that one year where he was doing Dollhouse Angel and Buffy, yeah. and the, all the shows suffered because he was doing fire, three of them. Firefly Angel oh, sorry, Firefly yeah. Angel and Buffy. Do you guys know? I read some quote of his where he said he always he wanted James Marsder to be on Firefly playing Spike, but them not to say that it was Spike. Where like he wanted it to be in a later season of Firefly, they go to a bar and there's James Marsder dressed in a black trench coat and all black clothes with the blondes hair like swooshed back and like they just don't say what his name is but like they meet him oh great sorry i was like but that makes (laughs) sorry he's ageless go on yeah um and how like much i would have loved that yeah well dreams yeah (laughs) do we have anything else to say about buffy (laughs) (laughs) um I mean, this is the fine. It's it's what the one thing I don't one of the things I don't like about Out of Mind, Out of Sight, and it's hard to hold it against it because it's not about the episode itself. Is that it's the episode right before, before the finale, yes. yeah. and it's like you're waiting, like you know, like if you're watching this in 1997, or if you're watching this for the first time on your DVD, and you're like, oh, there's 12 episodes in the season, you know that you're heading towards some kind of finality, and this episode just kind of doesn't bring it for you. Like even Nightmares yeah. shows the master. And, like, brings him back into the story and shows how scared Buffy is of him. And Out of Mind, Out of Sight just kind of, like, is not... Has nothing the, to do. Nothing to do with him. And he, yeah. it's, it, if they'd flipped them, it yeah, would be interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, if they'd flipped them, I think it would have been a little better. Because it just feels anticlimactic to then go into, like, the next week bringing up Prophecy Girl. Right. So that's the... And, like I said, so it's not any fault of the episode, but yeah. it feels a little anticlimactic. I would agree with that, yeah. As yeah. a penultimate. Yeah, and especially because so many of the other every other season except for this one it's like at least two parts right where like at least it's like they lead up to that or they like there's like a two-parter or something and this is like nothing with that right yeah no i yeah yeah that's all yeah i would agree with that um yeah yeah thanks for listening um i am ian carlos crawford you can find me on twitter at ian x carlos and I'm Matthew Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at M-A-T-H-E-W-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. Um, and I am Nicole Gatow. Um, I am on Twitter, but right now it's pretty boring. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, thanks for listening, and see you next week. Yay. Bye.